God, we love you, and we just give you thanks and praise for all that you are and all that you have done. God, in our lives, we are just eternally grateful for, for you, for the gift of your son, for the gift of eternal life, God, for the gift of salvation. We give thanks this morning. God, I just pray that as we dive into the word this morning, that you would speak through me once again, that the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God. No one in this building came to hear from Pastor Chris this morning, God. We all come to meet with you, to hear from you, and may we leave this space challenged and shaped by what you say through your word, and may we leave this space knowing that we have met with the one true God. God, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are, believe it or not, in week seven of our Summer in the Psalms series, uh, as, uh, week seven. We've just been really, over the course of 2021 so far, really just been focusing in on Scripture. You know, our, our grow, Connect, Grow, Serve is who we are here at Fresno First Church. And as we grow, the initiative this year that we were going to do was to, to learn and follow Scripture both personally and in community. Uh, I, I hope and I pray that you have been doing that personally. Uh, but in community, that's, that's here. We're going to be able to just dive into Scripture together here. Uh, and uh, we took kind of a, the first few months of the year just to take a broad look at Scripture. But over the rest of the year, we're going to be kind of diving deeper into very specific pieces of Scripture. In the summer, we're going to be spending in the Psalms. And so we're in week seven right now. Uh, you know, the Psalms are interesting sometimes. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you, you read the Psalms and you look at the Psalms and they're just kind of the, the throw-ins, right? They're the throw-ins that you're going to have. Uh, you know, you get some of, these, some of these small Bibles, it's the New Testament and Psalms, right? They just kind of throw it as an extra. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of, that's how we almost view it sometimes. It's kind of as an extra. Uh, we don't sometimes ask the same questions of a Psalm that we would of a gospel or a, one of Paul's letters or even some of the Old Testament books. We don't sometimes ask the same questions, but that's what we're doing this, this summer in the Psalms. We're just kind of asking the same questions that we would of any other book uh, of these psalms. And so, so far we've talked about worship in, in Psalm 95, and we talked about David coming to grips with the depth of God's love for him in Psalm 63. Uh, we talked about David, again, coming to grips with the depth of God's knowledge for him in Psalm 139. Uh, and in Psalm 98, we talked about God's faithfulness. We talk, over the last couple of weeks, we've been in Psalm 51 and 56, just talking about, uh, talking about sin and grace and, and just being able to trust in the Word of God last week. And it's been just a really good journey so far. Today, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 73. Uh, Psalm 73 was actually, uh, it's been kind of an important one for me in my life. It's one that just kind of makes me think and one that, especially early on in my faith, was a uh, uh, was big for me as I just kind of considered different things. And so Psalm 73 uh, is, uh, is where we're going to be today. If you're in one of our pew Bibles and you're looking for it, it's on page 500. Uh, and again, even before you get to verse 1, like a lot of these other psalms that we've looked at, even before you get to verse 1, you read this. It is a psalm of Asaph, which makes you ask the question, well, who's, who's Asaph? Right? Asaph, actually, we meet uh, in First Chronicles uh, Chapter 6, he is one of the men uh, that David puts in charge of music at the temple. 
Uh, we know in, uh, in Second Chronicles that he was actually there at the dedication of Solomon's temple. He was one of the ones leading the singing at the dedication of Solomon's temple. This is Asaph. Uh, and so Asaph, uh, you know, the, a decent chunk of Psalms are actually attributed to him. In fact, starting in this one, Psalm 73, he's got a string of 10 in a row. Psalm 73 all the way to string, uh, to, to string 83. This is Psalm 83. Uh, they're all Asaph. Uh, and actually he's got one before that. I think it's uh, 50, uh, off the top of my head, you can check on that, but, uh, you know, I think he's got another one in there. And so, you know, to just what we have here though, this is a Psalm. I want to just say this This is a Psalm written by a priest in charge of the music in the temple. And what we have here is just a really honest Psalm, just a really, this is just a really honest kind of down to what I actually feel Psalm of Asaph. And so we're going to read this together. Here we go. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff, they speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain... I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destination. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So again... Remember, this is a, this is a psalm of, uh, uh, there's a priest in the temple who's in charge of the music writing this psalm. And you can just see, this is just a really honest psalm. And I think, honestly, a lot of us can probably relate to what he's going through here, because really what this psalm highlights is really kind of, uh, we'll just call it today, kind of the mental struggle of holiness. Why am I living like this? Uh, these other people, they're not living like this, and look, they're, they're doing just fine. In fact, they're thriving. They're not getting sick. They're amassing wealth. This is all the stuff that he's saying here. Like, why am I living the way that I'm living? What am, I, what am I trying to do here? Why should I live like this? Why should I avoid those things? 
You know, some of us kind of have maybe struggled with this. You know, I, I've dedicated my life to living like this, but there are so many other people who, who live a different way. They do whatever they want, and it seems like their lives are, if anything, just more fun, right? They have, they have great lives. They have all this. And, and as the psalmist says in verse 2, my feet, they almost slipped. Remember, this is, this is a priest in charge of worship in the temple. And he knows the goodness of God. That's even how he starts this thing. Right, surely God is good to Israel, but, but my feet had almost slipped. I, I love just how, how real this psalm is because it's not coming from a person who is doubting God. Uh, it's not a person who's doubting the existence of God. He's not trying to, to prove that God isn't good or isn't great. This guy is essentially a worship leader among the people of God. He knows the goodness of God. And that's, again, how he starts. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in hearts. So this is not kind of the doubting or struggling of a guy who's opposed to God. This is, a, this is a wrestling of a guy who knows God and believes that God is good. But there's this, this but in the next verse. But my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I just, just think about that. My feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I think as we read this psalm, I think there's just a couple, a couple different maybe perspectives that we need to see here from where Asaph is writing. And the first perspective that I think we need to look at is this what Asaph sees what he calls the wicked right the wicked is the is the the first perspective he looks at when he looks at the wicked he sees them and they are flourishing and when he sees them a few things happen right the very first thing is this that he he envies them right I want to just go back just real quick to another psalm psalm number one uh Put your finger there on Psalm 73. We'll definitely be back. But just listen to Psalm 1. It kind of talks about the wicked and the righteous again. Here's what he says. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law night and day. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in seasons, whose, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff, the wind that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, now think about this. Where does Asaph, where would Asaph see himself in Psalm 1? In Psalm 1, Asaph is the, the blessed one. He's the tree planted by streams of waters. Right? He, he's the one that is blessed. And all these, all these wicked people... They're, they're not. Right? They're, they're, they're not where they need to be. They, they're not going to be prosperous. But what he looks out and he sees in real life where he is at is that he looks out and he sees the wicked and he sees and he's, he's envious of them. Right? This, this, here's Asaph basically saying like, is that really true? Like is Psalm 1 really true? Because I look around and I see the wicked and I don't feel like the blessed one here. Uh, they seem to be doing just fine on their own. And he's like, look, the wicked, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They don't get sick. They have a ton of pride in the way they live. They're carefree. They have a ton of wealth. And all of that happens even though they speak about God with malice, he says. 
Even though they, they speak about God in a way that is, they're, they're openly questioning the existence of God, openly questioning just the, the character of God. Does God really know? That's what they say in, in Psalm 73. They say, how would God know? Verse 11, does the Most High know anything? They're questioning the character and they're questioning the existence of God. And he's, they seem to be prospering and he's, he's envious of these people. And not only is he envious of those people, it goes a step further. He begins to regret how he lives. All right, verse 13, or yeah, verse 13, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands and innocence. And not only has it been vain, it's been painful. Right? I mean, verse 14, all day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. And he's suffering silently as well because he's not, he's not, he says, like, look, if I would have said something, I would have led your children astray. Like he's talking to God here, like, look, I, I kept this in here. I kept my feelings inside because I didn't want to lead other people astray. But man, I'm I'm regretting how I live. So he sees the wicked, what he calls the wicked, and he, he envies how they live, and he begins to regret how he lives. And then after that, he begins to wrestle with really like how God works. Like, God, is this, is, this really, is this really what's happening right now? God, I look out, and they are prospering. I'm in pain. Man, what is happening? Man, this is one of the main reasons I love this psalm, because this is just, just the honest wrestling of someone who is just there trying to figure out where God is in all of this. Look, I see all this going on. It just doesn't make sense. Have you been there? Have you been in a place where you just, you know, you, you know like, God is calling me to do this and go here and, and live like this, but, man, I look out and I just see, like, why? why? Why should I do this? Why should I live like this? Like, I could have a really good life and have nothing to do with God. I could, I could do whatever I want, have a ton of fun, and just, I could have it all. And I don't need God, necessarily. This is, this is where he's thinking, all these people out here, they don't, they're not asking for help from God. They don't need God, and yet they have everything they could ever want. I mean, sometimes you just look out at the world and you just question, like, is it worth it? Is it worth my time and my energy to follow God when I could be doing so many other things? I look out and I see other people prospering and not really caring at all about anybody but themselves. I see people just openly denying God. I see people just proudly living as if he doesn't exist. I see what's going on, God. And honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, I think sometimes we can look out at the world and we can be a little envious. We might even have a little regret creep into our lives. Now, I know I've been there, especially early on in my faith. I had to really wrestle with this, right? Like, God is calling me to give up a lot right now. But why? Why would I want to do that? I remember just, just struggling with this early on in my faith. Like, but I, I, if I say yes to this where God is calling me, that means I'm saying no to so much. And it was just a struggle. You know? and I, maybe, maybe, maybe you've been there. I know I've been there. I've had friends who've walked away. I've had students in my youth ministry who basically, I remember in my very first youth ministry in Phoenix, Arizona, I remember having these students come up to me, and this, is, this psalm could literally be the conversation that we had. Pastor Chris, like, look, I, I believe in God, just like Asaph. I know that he has good things for me, but I'm just going to take a break. 
I'm going to go experience life. I'm going to go live the way my friends are living because it looks like they're having so much more fun. And I'll, I'll definitely come back in a few years, but I'm just going to take a break. This is a real struggle that people have. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there. I know that I have. And, and this is where Asaph was. You know, but this is also where Asaph's perspective changes. First thing he does is he kind of talks about the wicked. What's going on over here with the wicked? What's going on here? Second thing he says is he looks, he kind of looks at God. He goes from the wicked, he goes from this perspective, and then he sees God. Verse 16 in Psalm 73. When I tried to understand all this, like he's, he's wrestling with this, right? When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I, I met with God. And it's here, maybe physically in the temple, maybe mentally and with God, that this perspective changes. And it changes because of a few things. First of all, he remembers their future. He knows what will happen, right? Verse 16, it troubled me deeply. 17, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Then I understood their final destiny. It's like he looks at their lives and he's like, wow, that looks just amazing. I, 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 I want to I experience that. I want to do that. They're prospering. They are wealthy. They don't get sick. They're, their bodies look great. Like they're just, they're doing amazing. But then he remembers. In verse 19, it's like a dream when you wake up. Right? It's like waking up for a dream and not really understanding like, oh, oh, that wasn't real at all. Right, just, just listen to the, to the language here. They're, they're cast down to ruin. They are destroyed. They are completely swept away by tears. And what he sees here, he begins to see their future. And it's like he looks at them. It's like he can almost just pull away and look at like the 30,000 foot view. And he sees them and he sees the way they're living. But then he looks ahead and where they're going is not where he wants to be. And so he says, it troubled me deeply. This whole dynamic of what happens here, it troubled me deeply until I went into the temple and until I met with God. And then I saw what was going to happen. He remembers their future. But not only does he remember their future, he, he looks inside as well as he goes into the temple and he sees like just kind of how ridiculous he was being. All right, verse, verse 21. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He says, like, look, God, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking there. I, it's like he takes a step back with this whole new perspective, and he's like, who am I to question the judgment of God? Who am I to question what God is doing? What was I thinking questioning the goodness of God? And this leads him really into kind of just celebrating the faithfulness of God. Verse 23, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. I love this. You hold me by my right hand. What a great picture. What a great picture. Just, just remember the creator God, the sustainer of all things, just holding you by your right hand. Just, I, I just, I love that imagery. It says, you guide me with your counsel. Isn't it good to know that we have a God who will guide us and direct us? 
And now that we, we know the rest of the story, we have the New Testament, we know that if we've said yes to Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit within us. And what is his name? He is the, he's the counselor. We know that we have the counsel of God. We know that we have the guidance of God and through the Holy Spirit. And, and afterward, verse 24, you will take me into glory. Not only at this 30,000 foot view that he's looking kind of from the perspective of God, does he see the trajectory of the wicked over here? He sees his own. Okay, this is, this is why I choose to live like this. This is why I choose holiness in my own life, because I, I see where I'm going, and afterward, it says, you will take me into glory. You will take me into glory. He sees the end. Ultimately, what these two perspectives do and what they drive Asaph to is really just complete worship and adoration. I mean, verse 25 and 26, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Man, what a turnaround. Right, just think back to this. Think back, verse 1. Surely God's good, verse 2. But, <laughs> and then we get to this point. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on this earth I desire besides you. He's gone from looking at everything that the wicked have here on earth and being envious of that, regretting how he's living, like surely it's in vain that I'm living this way, to now at the very end of this psalm, just being able to worship and to be able to say, there is nothing on this earth I desire more than you. Nothing that they have compares to you. Nothing that they could ever have, not the wealth, not, the, not anything that we've just talked about could compare to what I have in you. I mean, he, he's, he's able to just worship. And then he gets to these last two verses. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. And I think, honestly, when we look at this psalm, and I think, uh, for me, and, and early on in my faith, this is just a huge psalm for me. It, it, it almost made it like I was, it was okay to wrestle with, with God. It was okay to be able to like question things. Here's, here's Asaph, a worship leader in Israel. He's the one singing at the dedication of the temple. And here he is just questioning, like, God, what, is, what in the world is going on here? But at the end of the questioning, he meets with God. It's like my, my favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This is exactly what's going on with Asaph here. He is seeking after God, seeking an answer to these questions. He's, he's openly doubting what is going on here. This doesn't make sense, God. I look at these people, they're not living for you, but man, it looks like they're doing all right. But at the end, he can say, look, there's nothing on this earth I desire besides you. There's nothing they have or could ever have that could compare to what I have in you. It, he doubts and he wrestles. But at the end, he comes to this realization that God is who he says he is. And that God is good. And that he is faithful. And that he is just. 
And it's good to be near to him. And I think if there's one thing that I want us to take away from this psalm this morning, it is this, that even we can wrestle with God. We can ask these, these questions of doubt. We can, we can ask the hard questions to God, and he's, he's going to come through. We can ask the tough questions like, God, I just don't understand this. And, and if we really, truly seek God with everything, we will find him. But really, I just want this, this last verse, verse 28, to be kind of our prayer moving forward. Uh, just listen to this, but ask for me. It is good to be near God. It is good to be near God. Let me ask you this question. Is it good to be near God? Is it where you want to be? I mean, even after everything, this is where Asaph wants to be. After all the doubting, after everything, it is good for me to be near God. And he goes even farther than that. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. Is God your refuge? Can you go to him in times of need or in times of want, in times of doubting, in times of struggling? Can you go to God? Is he your refuge? But here's the, here's the last one. I will tell of all your deeds. See, here's what Asaph doesn't do. It's not like I had these questions, I had these doubts, and thank God he answered me, but I'm just, that's, that was for me. <laughs> the very last line here, I will tell of all your deeds. I'm going to go share with the world. I'm going to write it in a song. And I'm just going to share with the world what you have done for me. I will tell of all your deeds. That's, that's my hope and my prayer that we can actually just say verse 28 as our own prayer in everyday life. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I know I can say that. It is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. Amen. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. And I will tell of all your deeds. That last one is the one that we struggle with the most. We don't like to kind of ruffle feathers at all. We don't like to, to go out and share so much at all. But man, that is so important for us to do. It is good to be near God. I will make God my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. That's my hope and my prayer for us, that we would go out from this place knowing that, look, I can, I can wrestle, I can doubt. At the end of the day, it is good to be near God. And even in those doubts, even in the struggles, I will make God my refuge. But not just me. We need to go. I will tell of all your deeds so that when they come, they can question and they can doubt. They can seek God. And at the end of that, they can say, it is good to be near God. I will make God my refuge and I will go and tell of all his deeds. This is, this is really the mission of the church. <laughs> it really is. It's good to be near God. We will make him our refuge and we will tell of all his deeds. That's my prayer for us. Let's pray. God, we love you in this place. We are just so thankful to be able to gather together and to meet together and to be able to, to sing your praises, to be able to dive into your word, God. It is, it is good to be near you. It is good to be near you. It is good to worship you. God, I just pray as we go forward that we would just 
just have these lines running through our head. It is good to be near God. I will make you my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. God, would those three things just keep, keep going on in our minds? Would we not be shy of the wrestling or the struggles or the doubting because we know that as we seek you, as we seek you, we will find you. God, we just learn from Asaph here. He's honest. He's, he's open with these questions, God. Will we be able to be honest and open with with our questions and our doubts as well. God, we just we give you praise in this place this morning. We're thankful for all that you do and all that you are. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Uh, if, you're, if it's your first time here, welcome. Uh, you know, we, we end every service in the same way. We stand and we just hold our hands out and just receive a blessing from God, I just ask you, I know it feels weird, but just hold your hands out and just receive a blessing. May our God, God of grace and love and mercy and truth, be with you this week. May he go ahead of you, be in your workplaces, in your homes, wherever you may find yourself. May he remind you of his goodness and his faithfulness this week. And as he does that, would it give you courage to go forward and to do what he's calling you to do and go where he's calling you to go. May you go in grace and peace this week, knowing that God is good, that you can take refuge in him. And may that give you courage to tell of all of his deeds. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming this morning. You're dismissed. Go in peace.